0: ho ho ho
1: welcome back to slime house a podcast rated pg for crude humor outrageous hijinks and mild language i'm jared
0: i'm jasper
1: and i'm max and we're back in time for the holidays to cover a yuletide slime movie from 1998 this is I'll Be Home for Christmas. I
2: want a traditional Christmas with snow and stockings and eggnog and carolers. Jake was looking forward to the best Christmas of his life. Still planning on coming home for Christmas? Yes, sir. He and Allie were flying home to be with his family. Pick you up tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Okay. Until a practical joke.
0: Something wrong, fellas?
2: Changed his plan.
0: All right, Jake, where are you? Ooh.
2: <sighs> Changed his wardrobe. I'm in the middle of nowhere dressed like Santa Claus being attacked by a killer buzzard. Changed his life. Wish I were dead. I said I wished I were dead. Jingle bells, jingle bells.
1: In I'll Be Home for Christmas, a fast-talking college freshman has to find a way home to get back to his girlfriend and get his dad's vintage Porsche.
0: So, this was a Disney movie um, made under the Buena Vista banner, which was, and, and this came out kind of in the late 90s and 1988 when Disney was doing a whole swath of just like live action um, family movies. Uh, this one was directed by Arlene Sanford, who's mostly a TV director. Um, but she did another movie just before this, uh, the, a very Brady sequel, which we might look at at some point. Um, it's been listed on a lot of Kinder Camp uh, lists, which we I think we've talked about a little bit before, but kind of an adjacent Slimehouse genre. Um, it's written by Harris Goldberg, who actually is a co-writer of The Master Disguise, which we just looked at, as well as uh, the Deuce Bigelow franchise with Rob Schneider. And the really only other significant crew member on this is... Uh, the composer John Debney, who, if you listen to the show, you know that he's probably the most prolific crew member uh, that we've featured. He's done a ton of movies, Hocus Pocus, Princess Diaries, Snow Dogs, Elf, Old Dogs, Looney Tunes Back in Action, Christmas with the Crank, Sharkboy and Girl, so many more, two dozen more that we haven't gotten to yet. So truly staggering his his uh, his uh, um, contributions to the Slimehouse genre.
2: All right, and this one, it's got... Uh... Solid cast of uh, a lot of the stars at the time, but really is headlined by um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who, of course, most famous for Home Improvement. This actually came out the same year Home Improvement ended, so kind of like the tail end of his biggest era of popularity. And uh, aside from Home Improvement, he was also kind of a B-slime star, appeared in a lot of like some of the more under-the-radar slime stuff. Uh, Tom and Huck is one that I remember... Uh, watching as a kid, Man of the House, and uh, Wild America, which I know is a favorite of yours, Jasper. Yeah, Wild America, a very formative movie for me
0: as a kid. Uh, I don't think we'll ever cover it on the show. It's it's kind of more in the adventure realm, but definitely a lot of fart jokes. <laughs> some bear fart jokes in that, but not enough to be a slime house movie. Oh yeah, I've
2: never seen it. Maybe I'll, I'll have to check it out, do a little JTT marathon. <laughs> Other than that, uh, it has Jessica Biel as his romantic interest, who uh, went on to be a big star but at this point was mostly known for uh, being on the show Seventh Heaven. Um, also Adam LaVornia appears in this as the sort of bully role the romantic rival. He uh, appeared in the film Milk Money which is maybe one of the weirder more unpleasant slime house adjacent movies I can think of. Um, definitely an interesting one to check out as well as Monkey Trouble which I don't think we've ever officially covered but it's come up a few times, especially when we were doing the Christopher McDonald interview. And uh, that's a fun, fun slime here for sure. And uh, also appeared uh, like Jessica Beale and actually played a couple on the show, much like they do here on Seventh uh, Heaven. And uh, aside from that, we got the parent roles in this, played by Gary Cole, who appeared in uh, the Very Brady sequel as Mike Brady same director just a few years before this. And I feel like always kind of has had a place as playing the kind of like very square dad figure and stuff to this day. Always been a, a character actor. I uh, like most well known for office space, of course. And uh, then the, his new wife in the film played by Eva Gordon, who not super well known, but uh, she replaced Marcia Strassman as Diane Sislinky and honey, we shrunk ourselves. So part of a big slime franchise, even if she might not be the, the most prolific slime star.
0: So this is a good pick where it's obviously a holiday pick to celebrate the holiday season. We have a long list of Yuletide slime to get through. Um, But just so the listeners know, we did a ranked choice voting and this one um, appeared on two of the three of our lists. Um, And uh, I I think Max, you'd never even heard of this. So I'm, I'm glad that we got to this. Oh, yeah. I'd never heard of
2: this one. I feel like um, it might have been vaguely familiar once I saw the poster, but still didn't really ring a bell. Um, I feel like I like I never really watched much Home Improvement. Um, I feel like being born in, like, 96, I kind of was, like, immediately before my time was when Jonathan Taylor Thomas was really, like, the hot star. So, like, I knew who he was. I saw the weird Pinocchio movie he was in. And, of course, I saw Home Improvement. It just didn't really play a big part in my childhood so yeah just never been big jonathan taylor thomas guy at all and um yeah never even heard of this movie but yeah it was a pleasure to watch very all over the place rollicking kind of movie but very very fun to watch i was glad to include it in some of my christmas viewing i've been doing recently and getting the taste of some classic jonathan taylor thomas that i missed out on in its promo
1: yeah so i mean Definitely, when this came up on the radar of possible movies to cover for deal uh, tide season this year, we realized we had never seen a Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie, and that's a very specific kind of nostalgia, as you said. But um, you know, my memory of this movie—I I know for sure that I had seen a film where Jonathan Taylor Thomas is in a Santa costume and is trying to pull a beard off. And I, I, I like so I—it must have been this one. I can't imagine there's another movie out there that fits that description. But I remember thinking of like, is this like a Santa Claus spinoff? Cause it's also a Disney uh, product, but um, yeah, I don't really remember much else about this other than just sort of like the initial setup. Um, so revisiting it now, you know, obviously I took notes on the outrageous hijinks that happen as he gets uh, his road trip to be home for Christmas.
0: Yeah, this was a fun one to, to revisit. I, I saw this with my mom back when it came out in theaters um, and it's one of those movies you watch now, and you're like, "Man, what were my like, what was going through my mom's mind when we were sitting <laughs> in this together?" Because it's clearly just like, it's a very strange tone. Like, it's a movie that on the outside feels like a kids movie, a, a slime house movie, if you will, but it almost kind of has like an interest in being like a teen movie as well. So it's this strange kind of middle ground. Like, there's there's some kind of dirty humor in this that that kind of surprised me. So. Um, I'm glad to have revisited it it was always a curiosity that I always remembered that I had seen it, it came out the same as meet the deedles which we've covered Um, so that there's this fascinating era in the late 90s that I that we've talked about that's just Disney was pumping out these like live action family movies and so many of them are just like so forgotten but when Disney plus came out I feel like a lot of them were just kind of like on Earth, because they're like oh let's just we got to get content on disney plus <laughs> so this was one of those ones i remember when disney plus was announced um they were like oh we're gonna have i'll be home for christmas and it was like an eye-opening like oh that movie funny like i gotta get back to that at some point because <laughs> i have such like the vaguest memories of seeing that in theaters so um i'm glad we got to it and i think it'll be an interest it's an interesting case study of of what makes a slime house movie a yuletide slime movie um versus you know maybe just a family movie or a teen comedy um so so yeah let's let, let, let's get into it you guys um what 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 about this movie to you kind of rings slime house right off the bat
2: um to me uh kind of just building off what you already kind of planted there is like this movie has such a strange kind of like tone and such a strange like you can't really figure out what the audience is because like I took, it took me so long to figure out. And I still was not like entirely sure whether this was, they were college students or whether he was at some boarding school or something, because it's set in college. I mean, they're 18 years old. I think that's specified at some point and he's traveling home for the, after the holidays, all this sort of very college teen movie plot, but it all sort of operates a lot like high school or even like middle school. It feels very much like a preteens idea of what college like kind of is like, it feels like a very childish perspective on that because I mean, there's bullies shoving people in lockers and a very uh, scene of cheating on, but they they use pagers for a big cheating scheme, which felt very slime house to me, very kind of DIY sort of what you'd see, like we said in like a max Keeble or a eighth grade, the worst years of my life, just any of those type middle school, the worst years of my life, rather, um, any of those types of movies. So, yeah, it felt like a very, like, preteen perspective on college, which kind of made it where, yeah, like you said, there's some dirty jokes here. It goes for that sort of, like, college humor type, teen humor angle a little bit, because there is much more kind of sexually charged, I feel like, than your typical Slimehouse. But still, like, its depiction of school still felt very rooted in this sort of Slimehouse tween version of school in a way that made for like a very strange meld of tones for a, for a slime house movie.
1: Yeah. Cause it starts set in the school setting and then it kind of morphs into a road movie. And we haven't covered too many of those. We did Peewee's big adventure back a while, but um, yeah, it definitely kind of expands from there. Cause the, the way that you're kind of introduced to our Jonathan Taylor Thomas's character reminds me of uh, Ferris Bueller where he's, kind of like this like a uh, smart ass um, kind of a uh, schemer kind of high schooler kid. And it's funny because uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Matthew Broderick both voiced Simba in the classic Lion King. Oh, so, funny. you know, maybe that's why I drew that connection, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, I definitely get like, had the same question as you Max. where I was like, wait, is this supposed to be like a boarding school? Cause like none of these kids seem old enough to be going to college right now. And like, the lockers too. Yeah, that just really. Yeah,
0: the lockers is what really <laughs> threw me off. Uh, well, first, first of all, what threw me off was the opening kind of establishing shot of the college. I immediately was like, "That's where they film the OC," where um, or, or would film the OC a couple years later. Um, it's a it's a real college in LA, Mount Saint Mary's, um, but it says college on the like you know the title screen. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, who has lockers in college? Like, I didn't have lockers in college. Yeah, yeah. It was was just, like, such a weird, like, and not to be, like, that guy, like, detail-oriented, but it it really did throw... It's funny that all three of us got thrown off by this kind of just, like, strange establishment of of this academic,
2: you know, place. Yeah, and, like, the treatment of the bullies felt very, like, because it's, like, I mean, there's, like assholes in college but i don't really feel like there's bullies like you don't really hear about college bullies in the way that they are in this movie like shoving people in lockers and sabotaging the cheating schemes and like even the way that they're talked about kind of like uh, the one of the first scenes the scene we talked about with the locker the sort of nerdy kids has like the troglodyte trio like shove me in here it's like i don't feel like anybody has bullies they would <laughs> refer to as the troglodyte trio in, in college it's just yeah that felt so like even middle school to me and then Jonathan it's like looked young and all his schemes felt yeah very kind of like Ferris Bueller who's like in, in in high school and that makes more sense even Ferris Bueller comes off as like older in like sort of <laughs> than this movie does which just felt very strange because yeah it felt so kind of like middle school type vibes despite the fact that yeah clearly set in the college and yeah his character i just found super like yeah i'm glad you landed on ferris bueller because that's really spot on just this sort of like schemer almost like hustler like kid feels very kind of like a slime house like what the idea of a cool guy is in slime house really feels like this character here how he's like in these schemes getting dave matthews tickets and all the <laughs> all, all the cool backstage stuff. dave matthews tickets. <laughs> yeah yeah and then i, I think what the, the, the disney plus description described it, it said the jokester tries to get back home yeah. and it's like I, I like that i feel like this yeah. is the true slime jokester right here
0: yeah there's something about the tone that reminded me a lot of this was right before the era of like the Disney channel original movie, which was a Mm -hmm. big deal in the late nineties into the kind of almost in the mid thousands. Um, and it felt very similar in tone to those, which I think we've talked about how a lot of those are not slime house. They're kind of almost, it's, it's this very fine tone. A lot of them have a more kind of like realistic tone. A lot of them often bend into fantasy. Um, But there's never kind of like a brattiness to them. There's always kind of a wholesomeness to them. And while this movie isn't wholesome, it still has kind of like this. It it feels grounded in some kind of reality. There's no cartoonishness about it at all. Everything that happens, all the hijinks that happen are like stuff that could happen at a real high school or a real college. Um, It's just kind of like one step above how far people would go in real life. Um, like nobody's getting actually getting counterfeit big st- backstage passes to Dave Matthews band. Um, but the way it's depicted feels like it could plausibly happen. Um, and so in that way, it also kind of reminded me of a lot of the Nickelodeon shows like Drake and Josh, um, Zoe one Oh one, even shows like Hannah Montana that are a little bit more just kind of like situational high school comedies, Um, even though again this isn't in college, but there wasn't like that brattiness, that visual comedy a lot in this that really, you know, makes Slimehouse what it is, even though it kind of tries to be a slimehouse movie.
1: Well, what I read is that this was like originally made under the Buena Vista flag and then like became a Disney movie, which would make sense. Like it definitely like again, going back to like the Santa Claus uh series, which started in nineteen ninety four and the sequel didn't come out until after I'll be home for Christmas was made. So I felt like it was, in a sense, kind of like trying to be the Santa Claus, too. Like, sort of in my mind when I saw it as a kid, I kind of thought it was supposed to be sort of like in the same universe, so to speak. Interesting. So, one thing I would say about this um, is that there's a lot of like gags, and outrageous hijinks, obviously. But, you know, when we have Nelson on the show, he's usually very like, you know, articulate about like how like certain directing choices. Um, can make a scene feel slimy or not. And I definitely felt like the direction of this movie could, left a little bit to be desired in terms of like making it a slime house film. I definitely feel like even when there are like, you know, gross out gags in the movie. And the biggest one that comes to mind is the scene, the first, uh, you know, ride that John Taylor Thomas gets on his way to his family in New York, which is, uh, you know, an old lady overheard, overhears his conversation over the phone. Oh, uh, And, re- and deduces that he needs a lift to get to, you know, at least to Vegas where she's headed to go see Tom Jones with her uh, gals. And the, the ride doesn't last very long for him because, um you know, there's a lot of, uh, t- he's not a good fit for the ride. Uh, one of her friends uh, teeth falls off on him. And then also he's offered a jar of uh gherkins, which I didn't even know were a thing, but I uh, yeah, looked it up. Is. They're just basically oh, like yeah. sweet cucumbers or pickles.
2: Okay. Um, usually... Is that like a regional thing? Because I've heard that so I hear that all the time, and I never thought it was like an unusual I'll have to look I've that up. Yeah, people gherkin. say gherkins really like to refer to like a small sweet pickle very often. Here. Oh, they're,
0: I mean, they're Cornishes
2: typically. Yeah, I've heard hear. Cornish too, but I hear gherkin way more often. <laughs> yeah, but that scene
1: uh, culminates in uh, JTT vomiting all over the place because he can't handle it. And, you don't really see anything that you like, you don't see the vom, You don't see like, I don't even think you see the teeth falling out or it's like shot in like kind of like a offhand kind of way. And then like, I guess you see the pickles, but that's really it. And I just, and like, um, this kind of like brings me to something I said, uh, last year in recovery, you tide sign, which is that a lot of like holiday family movies like this. D- folk deliver their humor in a way that's kind of like cozy and safe. And, you know, unlike trad slime, they don't really go for like the the gross humor the way something like Max Keeble or Osmosis Jones would. Um, so I definitely felt like if Tim Hill or Roger Gosnell or one of, one of our esteemed slime tours made this, that scene would have looked so different and would have really gone for it.
0: Jared, I'm glad you call it trad slime. <laughs> yeah, been, I mean, I'm never a big fan term. of that new phrase. <laughs> trad slime is very good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think a, a perfect example I was kind of thinking of in that same vein of like when this movie didn't really i I feel like we talk a lot about how like when a movie could go for it go for slime so easily like the opportunity plot wise presents itself and it really doesn't and i feel like kind of the perfect example of that is there's a scene kind of so it comes up kind of randomly where there's a bunch of santa clauses like in a race there's a race of like because this movie is pretty much just okay we got jonathan taylor thomas he's stuck in a santa suit like what situations could him being in a santa suit like lead to comedically because it's all yeah. just based around the fact that he's stuck in a Santa suit and that's really the joke and then and so at one point you find yourself in a 5k a charity 5k where everyone's dressed as Santa and he wins the prize money but I feel like just thinking about like another scene I was thinking of like in Jingle All the Way which is a very slimy movie there's the scene where he battles all the Santas and elves and like the warehouse and it's very cartoonish It really feels like Looney Tunes or something like that and then when this movie throws a bunch of Santas at you, it's like the only gag is that they're all dressed as Santa, really. Like, there's really no, like, super, like, crazy visual gags or anything there. It even gets kind of, like, serious and emotional, which is weird with the weird, like, at the end when they're running in slow motion and it's flashing back to him with his girlfriend. Very weird tone there. But, yeah, this doesn't really go for cartoony gags when I feel like when you have, like, a hundred Santa Claus is running a race. That's really like a very easy opportunity to go full slime house that they didn't really go for. And really, the, like the most cartoony it gets in that scene it's like a dog runs out dressed as Santa and some people like trip. But even that, it's not like they all fall over the dog or like it, it's played really straight. And that's the thing. Yeah, this movie has a lot of outrageous hijinks, but for the most part, they're all played pretty straight with some exceptions, which like makes them feel weirder when it does do something kind of odd and like cartoony. But yeah, overall, this has lots of outrageous hijinks, but the way with which they're shot, the way in which they're written, the way they're treated on screen just doesn't come off as slimy. It just comes off as kind of a, a wacky comedy.
0: Yeah. A comparison that I actually just thought of as we were chatting is, Um, We talked about snow day a couple years ago um, and I was of the opinion that snow day feels like half of a slime house movie and then half of something that is very close to slime house, but it just doesn't go full slime house. And it reminds me of that second part of snow day, not chronological second part, but kind of this plot of this guy trying to win over a girl and Just for comparison, because I feel like Snow Day is a more widely seen, more beloved movie. It really reminds me of that kind of spirit of the holidays being used as just kind of a time where like anything is possible and like you do crazy things because it's the holidays. You got to get home for the holidays or you got to get the girlfriend to be, you know, cause you want to have a good winter time, you know? So in that way, it, it's so close to being slime house. Exactly what you guys are saying just in the plot line. Um, but yeah, it just, it never goes there. It doesn't have that second half that snow day has where like the little kids are having snowball fights and fighting the snowplow man. And, Josh Peck's farting with ketchup all over his face, you know, like there's none of that in here. And I think your point, Jared, is really, really sound. It's like, yeah, he throws up all over the place or yeah, like, you know, there there are some like scatological jokes. Like there's a scene where he is trying to get home in an airplane and there's a dog that's really smelly and farting or whatever. But we don't see any of that. It's just all implied through facial expressions or the script. And it just, there's, there's none of that grossness, even though, like, it could if they wanted to visually go that far. Um, so it's a really interesting example of just, yeah, Slimehouse on the page, but not on the screen.
2: Because, yeah, it feels more like it's like, oh, like, it's so embarrassing. He threw up, not like, ooh vomit, you know. It feels more mm-hmm. like it's just, like, sit, very sitcom-style humor rather than, like, Slimehouse yeah. humor, which I feels. Like, it's a an interesting take on the genre. So, and, and yeah, another thing I think we've kind of touched on a little bit that makes this, to me, feel a lot more kind of like teen movie and less slime house is it's much more kind of like, and not just like the way we see like innuendos and double entendres and stuff. It feels much more kind of like sexually charged, I feel like, in the way that a lot of like teen movies kind of are. And it seems like especially the bully character and even Jonathan, it's more about like, he wants to, like, hook up with the girl, like, then it's any kind of, like, oh, he just wants the girl, and there's actually, like, some sexual, like, implications, there's a scene where he comes out in a towel, and, like, it's kind of implied that, like, to Jonathan Taylor Thomas thinks they, like, hooked up, and he actually gets the towel, like, pulled off, and they have kind of, like, an Austin Powers style, gag where he's like censored the bottles in front of him and all this and then there's some like a line one which actually like i was very shocked to hear not that it's like the craziest thing i've ever heard but in the slime house movie when like that guy it's a gag part of the way through which also feels very sitcomy where like a crazy criminal guy picks him up and thinks he's the real santa and all this stuff and at one point he thinks that mrs claus is cheating on santa because he thinks that the girl is mrs claus and he says like that two time in hoe like letting a man down the chimney or like something like that. It's like, I feel, yeah, yeah, that felt very kind of like like letting someone down the chimney. Like feels like <clears throat> even like strong for slime house in the window. And yeah, that element of it, like I said, not that it was like R rated, but it felt very like PG thirteen kind of like teen comedy style sexuality rather than slime house sexuality, which is more like kissing and crushes and that kind of thing. And I feel like that made it to me have more of a teen movie feeling, even if it didn't really have that teen movie humor t- for the most part to it. It had much more kind of a sitcom. Like you said, decom style comedy.
0: Yeah. And I, it is there's some like that, you know, two time and ho joke. It, it had some of the more sexual references that I've heard in a Disney movie. Like, and I was very, very surprised even to the point in, in a more positive direction, like Jessica Beale's character actually has some very like progressive things that she calls out. Like there's a scene they on their road trip, they stop in this like faux bavarian town, and there's a guy in a Hosen chasing a, a woman dressed as like an old German lady. And she's like, oh sexual harassment, like calling it out and in the same way that like you know a, a teen show would today like very kind of you know no nonsense like let's call it as it is you know and she has another kind of line early on when she's deciding to go on this road trip with with kind of this bully character she's like yeah you don't get to make any racist homophobic or you know hateful jokes like the whole trip and i was like oh that like to the point where i was like you know this was made in 1998 like did they like redub that over or <laughs> like that just feels like something that we- it's so fascinating to hear in a teen comedy from nineteen ninety-eight, you know. Yeah. No, in, in a way that's like pleasantly surprising, you know, because that kind of sentiment shouldn't be a modern thing. It you know, it it we never should have had any of that kind of <laughs> stuff in society, frankly. But um yeah, it, it caught me really off guard in a way that was that that was very surprising.
2: Yeah, I felt a lot of, this, especially what you pointed out, her saying, like, no homophobic, racist, sexist. Like, it's like, I feel like you see a lot of these kind of characters in stuff from this time who were kind of supposed to be like the, the woke, like, usually a girl character. It's kind of like tree hugger, hippie stereotype. It felt like a very, like, sitcom archetype, but it would always be kind of the butt of the joke. And then this, it really didn't feel like, for the most part, she was the butt of the joke. Yeah. The only person she ever faced pushback from was the bully. And his whole joke is that he's just like, a big douchebag so you're supposed to think like oh he's in that but like but yeah especially seeing like someone saying like no homophobic jokes and like a teen movie from this era it's like wow I don't think I've ever seen like a movie from this era for teens especially like reference even like the phrase homophobia it's like something just yeah. especially like it felt kind of and then like even some of the stuff the bully like makes fun of her for felt very kind of like stuff that someone who actually was like kind of in touch with like young women of the era. I guess it is a, is it a female director on this? I think like, yeah, Yeah. because like Mm -hmm. at one point the bully who's supposed to of course just be kind of like, just like a stupid, like obviously like very regressive character. He's like, Oh, so like, what do you girls listen to? Like Jewel, Sarah, Fiona. And it's like, I feel like having like, like Sarah, like Fiona Apple jokes and Natalie Merchant jokes. Like that feels kind of like inside jokes mm-hmm. like like at that point i don't feel like would be like someone just trying to write like a teen movie trying to come up with names for like a young woman to be listening to at the time and yeah it just felt kind of like especially her character felt very more realistic and kind of more treated better than women almost ever are in a lot of these kind of teen comedies and slime house and i mean she was probably one of the more like not that she was anyone this movie was super well-rounded but one of the more like sympathetic like Rounded yeah. per character's personality, wise as far as everybody else in the movie. But yeah, that's one thing I did actually that stood out to me too. So I'm glad you glad you mentioned that.
1: There's a line later on, like when like there's one where the boy character and the main character are like driving together after uh, you know she JTT has been broken up with, and he says something like, you know, the women always have the best ways of like using the right words to to cut us deep or something like that you know you know that line i'm talking about
2: i think so yeah like vaguely i can't remember it exactly but i remember the moment yeah it's done in like a
1: very lampshading kind of way it was like you know the guy character just like kind of got with it was coming to both of them
2: yeah yeah Uh because i feel like yeah like that scene i feel like it's kind of the perfect example that scenario where like they're really both in the wrong like you're not supposed to think she's like being like Unfair to Jonathan Taylor Thomas, really. Like it's all kind of like she's the most character that's the most kind of sympathetic through the film.
0: And then reason. even the the cop too. So there's a subplot where Jonathan Taylor Thomas, um, kind of part of his road trip, he he is driven from Colorado to Nebraska by this cop who he says he's going to promise. Um, Here he promises to help this cop get his wife back after. This cop had a little late night fling at a too late at a bar. And I thought it was interesting. You know, it's like the all the men in this movie are the ones who have to atone for being wrong. Like there's all the women in this movie are the ones who are like, no, you got to apologize to me. Like, you're the dick, you're the asshole, Um, which, again, just kind of backing up everything we're saying is, again, feels very interesting and and almost anti Slimehouse. house like you look at a max keble like all the all the guy characters the male characters in a lot of slime house movies no matter what are kind of seen as cool and then in the end it's always like they kind of get the girl because they're cool whereas in this movie they get you know the male characters you know either win back their love or win love because they realize that you know typical masculinity is kind of shitty you know and you, <laughs> you should you should be a nice guy and a, and a sensitive guy um before you're cool you know like that's what's attractive so in that way you know female director too so a very different perspective than we usually get from slimehouse house movies but yeah in that way i appreciate this movie for, <laughs> for yeah, that yeah. Jingle bell, jingle
2: this holiday season get
0: Mama's teeth have fallen out of her
2: mouth again. Santa's got a brand new bag.
0: Santa just yammied in your handbag. Somebody's gonna put this on. Happy. Act like my elf. How do elves act? Happy. Back to like slime house stuff. There's actually quite a bit of food stuff in this movie um, that I was surprised about. Um, a lot of a lot of nasty food. The nastiest of which one of JTT Jonathan Taylor Thomas's many uh, carpools in this movie. He carpools with kind of like an, a shady guy who's kind of like harboring a bunch of stolen electronics in the back. And this, anytime we see this guy, he's just like holding a burger and a tomato that fell out of his burger in the opposite hand. And I don't think he ever tries to eat the burger. He's just constantly holding this like floppy ass burger that's like slipping and sliding all over his car and then at one point Jonathan to Tom- he asked Jonathan to Thomas to hold it and it's like almost like the whole joke is just that he has a gross
2: burger in his hand <laughs> yeah another like a gag kind of like that is there's like one scene where he's gets on the bus like a Greyhound bus and he's trying to find a seat and he's trying to find somewhere to sit down and like everywhere he could sit is just like it shows next to some unpleasant character and yeah one guy just is like I can't really couldn't really tell what it was but he's just like spraying something onto like a piece of just like open face onto a piece of like bread and that's supposed to kind of be like the signifier of why he's unpleasant to sit by so it's like yeah this movie has lots of kind of like no one really ever eats anything gross but just like gross food existing as kind of a a bit which felt very slimy to me
1: yeah that guy was like I think he was dumping a uh bullseye barbecue sauce on his sandwich. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought.
2: I thought it was barbecue sauce. But yeah, like, and he's smothering
1: over with his fingers, too, which is especially nasty, but that leads into a scene where, you know, JTT uh, is trying to catch up to where they are in that Bavarian town we mentioned earlier, and he uh, elaborates the scheme where, you know, he takes the sandwich. I guess the guy never ate the sandwich, but he took it, and he put it in an icebox, and he says, hey, uh, this girl in this uh bavarian town in iowa needs a heart transplant and the the heart being this gross sandwich we saw earlier so and that was like a, that was this another scene that kind of taps on what we were talking about with like these hijinks that are kind of gross but you know i felt like compared to like other scenes where it felt more strained in what it was depicting, like you see the liver in the icebox and it's a sandwich and i thought that was kind of funny
0: yeah that reminded me of rat race which has a very very similar like organ transplant gag huh. um but yeah i to your point jared and we keep hammering this home but like the the liver transplant thing it's like the gag is like the shot of the the shot of the fake liver is maybe a second long and it's yeah. like that that is what they expect will earn the laugh is just like the fact that there is a fake organ <laughs> but it's like a slime house movie will make that organ slip and slide all over the bus and like people will try grabbing it and get it on their faces and stuff. But this, the joke is literally like, Oh, it's a fake organ that looks gross. And like it, and then this, the, the humor kind of just like disappears after that. And you have the rest of this scene play out. That's just really not super funny. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what this whole movie is. Um, is just kind of like one note gags that are kind of carried out a little too far
2: and yeah i think maybe the ultimate microcosm of kind of what this movie is and i mean this does actually have a pretty slimy soundtrack but i will say there is no smash mouth on the soundtrack but there is a smash mouth poster so smash mouth are seen but they are not heard much like how this movie plants so many slime seeds and never goes for it. it's like they tease smash mouth and you never get it if there's anything that's true cries out for slime and doesn't go for it i'd say it's I'd say it's that, so yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, like I said, I feel like that's really the only thing you can say about the movie, is it just sets up all these gags and never goes in front of, like, it. that's like I said, like, this movie is literally only an opportunity for gags involving Jonathan Taylor Thomas in the sandler suit, like, you, know, you can do anything from there, and they just really didn't go for, I think, like, the slimiest possible thing they could go for here, so yeah, all kind of, a lot of slime house missed opportunity.
1: But there are some Christmas covers from some uh, bands I would say are slime adjacent. We got a Blink One Eighty Two and a and Sync. I think the Sync one is especially funny since uh, Jessica Beale and oh
2: yeah, Jessica I didn't know that, I didn't that. In life,
0: But you know, um, I but, actually yeah. we'll, I'll go to bad as that being one of the better Christmas songs yeah. of the new, you know, because I because I feel like Christmas music is very rooted in kind of the classic Americana. 50s 60s classics i mean now you have mariah carey's all i want for christmas or what is it called i think it's
2: all i want for christmas all i want for christmas is you
0: yes i mean that's like one of the most streamed songs of all time um but i I, i'll go to bet. i think that nsync one is actually very (laughs) very good and i think it gets a little bit forgotten um but it's a great pop christmas track
2: Oh yeah, I've always really liked, There's a new edition Christmas song, "Christmas All Over the World," which I guess is a little earlier, but that's always been as far as the kind of like new generation boy band Christmas songs. I've always thought that's gone under the radar because yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some good boy band Christmas songs, and I think this one's good, and I think that gives it such a slimy edge to put that, put given an in sync song at the end because I feel like teen pop, that's kind of the the slime house music, de jour so. Yeah, it kind of gives wraps it all up in a slimy way, and um, also a, a favorite genre of music of mine appears in this film. There's little some good Euro pop type needle drops, which I think is a very slimy genre of music for multiple reasons. Not only in the kind of just its whole attitude, but just the whole imagery of it of the bands like Aqua and uh, Eiffel Sixty Five and this band Cartoons, which if you haven't seen them, very strange band, just did like a weird. Uh, dance cover of uh, that song of the Witch Doctor. That's like their big hit. So, But yeah, they all dress as like cartoon characters. Very slimy. look. But yeah, this has a good... At one point there's a party scene pretty early in the movie where kind of he gets confronted for his part in this pager cheating scandal going wrong where I also noticed maybe it's eggnog but it looked like they were all drinking milk at the party which I found very (laughs) strange. But yeah, there's a DJ there just playing very... I didn't recognize a specific song but very like euro pop type music and then later there's a scene where very prominently just on the radio dr jones by aqua which is a a great song uh, is playing so yeah i feel like honestly for being a genre i've always thought of as very slimy i don't feel like we've actually heard or seen much euro pop in Slimehouse, so it was nice to see it represented here uh for one of the first tones there's
0: Another couple slimehouse tropes in this that I think are just notable. They're not necessarily humorous, but just recurring kind of motifs that, we, that we've a lot of which we identified very early. One being that, um, first of all, the parents in this movie, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is, has a single father. And one of the reasons he doesn't want to go home for Christmas is that he is um, has married, remarried very quick after his his. Actual mom has passed away, which kind of the the broken family dynamics or kind of interesting family dynamics is something in Slimehouse that is very, very common, even more often than not. It's a divorced family or a parent's passed away, a single parent, something like that, blended family. Um, And then another one that I think is really interesting is the like tropical paradise being kind of the ultimate alternative to like real life and in this Jonathan Jim Thomas's character instead of booking tickets home for Christmas for him and his girlfriend he books tickets to Cabo San Lucas and they keep calling it Cabo San Lucas instead of just Cabo which I think is really uh, Cabo Wabo is what
1: we call it. yeah Cabo Wabo
0: because nobody calls it Cabo San Lucas but um, but yeah like that's a big he keeps saying like no I want to spend Christmas on the beach like I don't want to go home to christmas in new york but jessica beale is very like no i want to spend it with family like in the snow you know like so i feel like that finding the joy in a traditional christmas is a very yuletide slime house i mean a very just christmas movie theme in general but very common and pervasive in in some of these more slimy yuletide movies
2: Oh yeah, I was going to say, like that just feels like very, not only, we see that in so much slime house, but like, yeah, Yuletide slime specific, especially like, if you look back, like, Christmas with the Cranks, Jack Frost, Jingle, all the way, like, so many of the Christmas slime we've covered, even more than other slime, involves kind of themes of like, absent parents, overworked parents, divorced parents, dead parents, stuff like that. And I feel like, especially dead parents, which you don't see that much in Slimehouse, but we have seen in Jack Frost and now here. And it feels like kind of just the fact that fam that Christmas is a good opportunity to kind of like bring in like family themes because it's such a family oriented. So it feels like I like you said it's a Christmas movie trope in general. But I feel like especially because you're seeing these slimehouse movies from like a kid's perspective most of the time especially kind of Yuletide Slimehouse, you tend to see a lot of these kind of like distant parents, uh, dead parents, or oh, yeah, also sort of just these themes of like just, yeah, family getting back together and then in uh, tropical paradise, I guess just because of the snow too, that feels very common Christmas with the cranks, which I don't think is a super slimy movie, but that's all kind of about that. They were trying to decide whether they want to stay here for Christmas or go off on a cruise somewhere. So yeah, those feel not only like slime house tropes, but very specifically Yuletide slime to me, which gave this movie kind of a Yuletide slime feeling more than it even had a traditional slime or trad slime <laughs> <you> feeling. <laughs> it's it. a thing though. Yeah, um, I just like that a lot. That's very funny.
1: Yeah, and like one more kind of like Yuletide trope that we could get into before slime scores is the idea of like a bad Santa, which we've seen in Elf with the Artie cameo and probably a few others. But, um, you know, a character that's being taking the role of Santa Claus in one way or another, who is not exactly bad, but, you know, is unconventional, is kind of, you know, not really fully into the whole uh, spirit of Christmas or, or being Santa. So in this movie, it kind of manifests in how some of these hijinks with JTT go, and he's using the Santa role to, you know, help himself more than others. And, you know, that kind of the, the change happens in that sort of, um, the Santa jog that we were talking about earlier where he kind of like has a change of heart and realizes that like this is why his girlfriends like done with him and stuff like that and uh but yeah that that's definitely something we've seen in um in Yuletide before just sort of this idea of a disingenuous Santa Claus who doesn't really care.
2: Yeah, it almost feels like a just totally non like fantasy version of like the Santa Claus where he's forced literally into the Santa costume and then just like learns to become like because not that he becomes the real santa but yeah it's all about his attitude towards christmas and family and all this stuff kind of changing so yeah I, I thought that was interesting that you see so many in these slime house movies yeah like a unwilling santa or like a non-christmassy santa and that felt yeah another thing that made this movie feel very specifically Yuletide slime.
1: well um we we're about to uh get to our destination for christmas uh so before we do we got to Get some uh, Holly Jolly slime scores out of the way. Does uh, anyone want
2: to start? Uh, I figure I can start unless okay. anybody else wants to. Um, For Max, I feel like we've kind of talked about a lot about what I've already uh, made my feelings pretty clear on how I feel like this falls. I feel like it's, it's interesting because I feel like we do think about like oh, proto slime versus slime house, but I don't really think about like Yuletide slime separate from slime house. So I feel like a lot of those things might just be kind of like Christmas movie tropes in general, but with. Mm-hmm the veneer of slime on them to make them feel more slimy. And really, I think this is like we've said this whole time. It's a movie that has the chance to go for slime so often and very, very rarely goes for it. I mean, there's some slimy themes and like its vision of what college life and being like a cool older teenager is like feels kind of slimy to me. But um, overall, I'd say this probably lands on a a 4 for me i think it falls kind of it's almost right down the middle but then uh i think some of the more sort of like sexually charged and it's more like references to more mature pop culture and stuff like this kind of make it feel a little older to me so yeah i think this is a movie that like if you just slightly change the way some of the humor was presented it would be um probably in the higher range but yeah for me i think this is probably a four on the slime scale even if it has a lot of the slime elements they're just not treated with a slimy touch
0: yeah i i can go next this is this is a five for me like it feels just like perfectly cut down the middle um and for the reasons we were saying of just like on paper it's there and i don't think you can discount that like there's the uh, exactly as you said, Max. I think you said it perfectly. I don't know, no have much to add, but just like the opportunity to go really slimy visually is there. They just choose to make it a little bit more teen friendly, kind of a little bit more something for hoping to get those like older demographic. Um, and it just it it comes off kind of just being like a nothing burger in the middle. Um, but yeah, it, it it's a five for me. Um, it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like Movies that we've covered like Airborne. Um, But I think Airborne has this more kind of extreme attitude, even though it's not like slimy in its plot. Um, That movie has that extreme kind of, you know, goofy, slimy attitude. This doesn't have any extremeness to it. It doesn't really have any brattiness to it. It's just kind of like a slimy situations that kind of occur in succession, yet they aren't visually gross or anything. So I don't know. It, it, it's a five for me, Um but I'm glad to rewatched it. I think it's a fun one. It's like a, just like a random Christmas deep cut. I, I would recommend it to people. You know, it's not bad. It's not like terrible, but it's not great, but um a little Disney deep cut for y'all. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. Yeah. I'm like sort of in the middle of a four and a five, but I would round up to a five because of the pop culture references in this movie. I think they they feel very like right at home this time in the era. And some we sometimes talk about slime houses an era. And I think like the some of the music choices and uh, some of the pop culture references. One of which we did not cover, but it's line of dialogue where like you know Jessica Biel calls JTT unbelievable, and he says in return, "Yeah, Ripley's going to make a show about me." So uh, yeah, I think like the pop culture references like that in this movie are enough to put over the right into the middle zone. Um, but yeah, I I don't really have much to add other than what I've already said. It it has um, it's it's a matter of just execution and directing. um It's not like a badly directed movie by any means. It just doesn't feel like Slimehouse directorial style as I think of it.
0: Yeah, it actually. And Jared, I just want to go back and echo what you were saying about like Ferris Bueller. Now that we've kind of talked about it, it very much reminds me of like an '80s teen comedy. Like I was just I was kind of going back in our our. Score archives right now, and if you're a fan of the show, you probably remember a movie we covered called "My Best Friend Is a Vampire" um, last year during Halloween, and it kind of reminds me of that in a, in a weird way tonally, of like, um, yeah, again, just kind of middle of the road. It 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 doesn't. It's it's trying to cater to too many demographics, and then in the end, it just kind of just like falls flat. Um, but but yeah. Well, and with that, you guys, um, happy holidays from us at Slimehouse. House. You may have noticed Nelson is not on the show today, and that's because he's, in fact, um, working on a, a feature film. So he's, uh, he's busy and hard at work, and it's actually a holiday movie. Um, and if you're interested and want to support, um, it's called Breakup Season, and you can go support at Breakup Season Movie um, if you want to get involved or donate to the project. Um, shoots in February, so he... Uh, He'll be back when, uh, when he can. But for now, it's it's just us boys on the show. <laughs> but uh, but until then, um, happy holidays, everyone! And uh, for this holiday season, be sure to stay, stay, stay slimy.
1: Slime a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Burnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. Visit us on the web at slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Co. Theme music composed by Greta Russell. If you like what you hear, support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod.